Good morning. Happy holiday weekend. Hope you're enjoying your uh, Labor Day weekend. Hope you get the opportunity to relax a little bit. You know, weekend, sometimes I feel like just when I'm starting to relax on the weekend, the weekend is over. And that's why you love a three-day weekend. Because this is, this is where it actually happens. Like the Sunday of a three-day weekend is where you actually get the chance to go like, oh, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to relax a little. It doesn't get to happen that often. Of course, it is a little bit sad seeing summer come to an end. But uh, technically, summer still goes for a couple of weeks. So there's that for you summer lovers. But see, I uh, I have always kind of been a, a guy that uh, everyone gets mad at me, but not a huge summer fan. No, 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 no. I'm not a winter fan either. I don't like I don't like summer or winter. I am a spring and fall kind of guy. Like this week, if you remember, I think it was like a couple of days this week, maybe Thursday, Friday, something in there, where it was like 72 degrees for a high, but we spent the whole morning and the whole evening in like the low to mid 60s. That that is my jam. That is that's where I I'm at. That's where I thrive. Plus, think about it. I'm a pasta sauce salesman. I don't like hot. I like uh, right after Labor Day when you get you know that first little hint of crisp weather that we got this week, and um, you get football season and Labor Day. Kids back to school. Boom! All of it equals pasta sauce season. So believe me, I'm I'm more of a uh, I'm a fall guy. I love September. Got married in September. Here's my here's why I've always loved September. Uh, even before I was a pasta sauce salesman, I have always loved September because September is still very much beautiful weather, right? It's still, and, and it's still mostly summer, honestly. Usually, at least the first half of September still feels like summer pretty much every day. But the rest of the world gives up on summer after Labor Day. You know what I'm saying? Kids go back to school. Stuff's not as crowded anymore. Like everyone just kind of gives up. It's like your own personal summer. So actually for years, and I don't do it anymore, but for years, I always took the week of Labor Day off for a couple reasons. One, you get a whole week off, but it only costs you four vacation days, right? And two, it's tomato canning season right after Labor Day, right? Uh, and, and three, that was always my summer vacation. It was like something, I just loved something about the fact that everyone else said summer's over, Labor Day's come and gone, yet you still have this beautiful weather and, uh, everyone just kind of now doesn't go and crowd up all the places I want to (laughs) go. So there you go. Anyway, all right, short intro this week because uh, a little bit of a longer interview, but I could just, I could listen to Ed talk forever. Uh, and I want to give you a little context on this. Ed Popple is uh, also known as Mrs. Kasha Davis. I've had the honor of knowing Kasha for years, but also I've had the honor of knowing Ed for years. And I'll talk about it early on in this interview, but Kasha Davis was very, very nice to me when, uh, you know, quite frankly, some of her uh, colleagues were not so nice to me <laughs> at one point in time in life, but I'll talk about that. And so I've always loved Kasha, love Ed. Ed, by the way, shows up at my house for this interview. We do the interview in my backyard in a Tesla my child loves cars and trucks, okay? My three-year-old is just, that's all he cares about. I can't get him to look at anything else. All he loves in life is cars, trucks, and mommy, okay? Those are his three things. So Ed shows up in a Tesla, and it's one of those ones where the 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 um, the doors go up. They kind of fly up over the car, kind of like the DeLorean from Back to the Future. And my son loved it. Like he just loved it. He was so entertained by that. And then Ed 
reaches in the back seat of his car, pulls a children's book out. I think it was called the kindness book. I should have fact checked that before I started, but something like that pulls a children's book out of the back of his car and gives it to my son as a gift. I mean, really, we're talking about the kindest, hardest, the, the, he's got the kindest heart in the world, sweetest guy in the world. Uh, and, and one of the best drag characters I've ever had the pleasure of seeing perform. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy uh, what is honestly an emotional, especially here at the beginning, there's some emotional stuff in this interview about Ed's upbringing. So uh, I just shut up and let him talk in this because he was just giving such a powerful story, and I hope you enjoy it, okay? This is Ed Popple, Mrs. Kasha Davis. What's up? Yes. Hi. Um, <laughs> listen, I uh, I have to first apologize to you because I am I am so freaking tired right now. Well, so am I. So we're, this is perfect. Well, we're you, you're asleep. working your ass off right now, aren't well, you? Well, you know what? I, I that's called uh, a workhorse queen. That's what I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. By the that's... way, a lady shows up fashionably late. I, I also uh-huh. I appreciate that. I do appreciate. Well, uh, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, I uh, I didn't have it exactly on the calendar, and we discussed it, and it was in the midst of uh, what I was doing was uh, filming our pilot for Imagination Station. Uh, Kids television show. It's so, so exciting. I've been following along on Facebook and watching as you post pictures. And of yeah. course, I'm buddies with Wheels, David Maxwell. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, who I believe is in the show. He's in the show. I love yeah. Wheels. He's one of the best people in the world. And he so really I, is. I love that you're that you've got Wheels in. Um, so what, let's I'll tell you what. Let's back all the way up. Okay. Can we back up? Can we'll we go back, back to childhood and everything? Because here's the thing. I was really excited to talk to you because I want to talk to you about. Uh, develop like just, I, I kind of want to talk to like the artist behind Kasha Davis. Right. You know what I mean? And I have such a love for Kasha Davis. Well, stop. Because <laughs> I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but because douchebag twenty-something-year-old top forty radio DJ right. finds out that he has to go on Thursday nights to Tilt Nightclub, where I am in way over my head, no idea what I'm doing, no idea what I'm walking into, just completely just fish out of water. And I walk in and boy, oh boy, you ladies could sense it. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I had a few who just came at me like death. But do you know who was nice to me? Kasha Davis. Well, that's what she does. From day one. I'm telling you, like, and you had no reason to be nice to me. Like, why did you, is it just, I think you have a pure heart is what it is. Well, that's very nice. I, yeah. I think that there's something that I can sense, like, I'm, most especially if I see somebody's uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't, 
yes, I could tease a little bit once I get to know them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But I want to, I want people to feel comfortable. You know, the whole point is about drag is that you're expressing yourself. Yeah. Right. And you were made to feel uncomfortable for being who you are most of your life, right. and most likely, uh, a drag queen most likely is gay. And so you're in a situation where, like, you don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. Yes. Now, a part of a show, a part of comedy, a part of all the whole shtick is that you might, you know, tease people. But, you know, that's all part of some of the banter. But I think that, you know, in essence, I think people really want to feel included. Well, there was, but there was, there was sort of a difference. So, like, and I, I don't want to say, I didn't feel, I totally, I'm all good. Like, busting balls no, is fine. It was all good. But, like, there but was, you, you there were, was a just few a, who came at me. Well, yeah. <laughs> and But Kasha Davis walked up to me and went, listen, I got you. And, yeah, you teased the hell out of me. And right. It was per, but it was a different thing where you were kind of like, I got you. Follow my lead. Because we're I know be those. Fine. I know those queens. I know how they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know they're they're seeing somebody here who's like, oh, you know, fresh you, meat. Yeah. yeah. As, <laughs> as you said, you know, you you weren't uh, judging anything, but it was like, I this is new to me. I had no. Yeah. Exactly. It was the first time I'd ever right. been around anything like that. Yeah. I had no idea what it was, and and I just was super appreciative that Kasha Davis said to me because well, we had to go out on stage too. We had to go out on stage, and, and I had no shtick. You know, you guys are <laughs> you guys have. You guys are put together. I mean, by that time, you guys, your your character is very well developed. You're amazing on stage, well, and I got nothing. Well, and you're I don't stuck know about with that. me. You see, now you've got uh, family as a part of your business model. Yeah, yeah. And so my character is like my grandmother and my mother and my great aunts. So this Italian diva, yeah, yeah, Mrs. Kasha Davis. Comes from family. I can and sit so, across me. I I know there's Italian in you. Like when I read that, because <laughs> the city, city newspaper did such a great story on you, and I just I read the whole thing last night. I was so excited to talk to you today because oh, thank you because I've known you for years, right. and you know I'm a huge fan, and I I really really love you. I oh, really do. Well, that's very sweet. I love you too. But, but I read some <laughs> things in that story last night right. that that I didn't know about your childhood and stuff. Are you comfortable talking about sure. some of that? Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. So where did you actually grow up? I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I didn't grow up in Scranton. I say Scranton because of the yeah, office. Right. I say Scranton because it's you know. Right. Everybody knows it. What, are, what I, am I? When someone says they're from Scranton, like what I know, I'm. I have an obligatory. I'm supposed to ask a couple questions about the office. Uh, of right? The office, right? Yeah. What, what am I supposed to ask? You? <laughs> I, I love know. the office. Well, <laughs> the office is absolutely great. But what's even better is that they did a great job. Yeah. You know, my kids playing in the background. Yeah. By the way, for background noise on the podcast. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I love kids, so this is wonderful. He's so cute. Uh, he is, and so and your wife is gorgeous. Thank you. Um, the office. So then they have uh, Frog, Froggy One Hundred One, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the stickers, Lake yeah. Wampaw Pack. So they reference those things in the Electric City and stuff, and it's just fun as somebody who lived there yeah. to see those reference. But the way the people act. I mean, I I worked in a call center and I started at that call center in Dial America and in Scranton, and then moved to Rochester to open one. Long story short, that is what people were like in the office like the, the the whole vibe of the office there was some sort of a nod to what i call a yonko you know what i mean just yeah. somebody who's like uh, you know a yonko <laughs> or a goomba you know uh the scranton folk and that really cracked me up so yes that's the office and that's scranton but i grew up on a little bit of a suburb called taylor and uh, it's just a small town outside of of scranton and so Really small town, kind of backward, 
um, if it was, you know, it was born in the 70s and 80s, but it felt like it was still the 50s, you know. Mm -hmm. And you had, like, the section of town neighboring us, which was where the Italians lived. And mm -hmm. then you had where the Polish lived. And, I mean, it was very much, this is where the Polish, the Italian, this is where, you know, the Irish live. And it was very much that way. And, you know, and I was not a lot of diversity. Let's just put it that way. You know, it was, and people, you know, there was even talk back then. It was like, oh, you know, the Italians don't ma ma marry the, the Irish or this, that, and the other. Isn't that crazy? And this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I grew mean, up with some of that too. I yeah. know. So yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. And uh, my dad was a U.S. Marshal, and my mom was just basically a diva. Um, <laughs> she she got into business. She, uh, we say business, we giggle, but she was an Avon lady uh -huh. who then had her own district. And then she basically considered herself the queen of these women. What, what's her maiden name? Miller. Mil yeah. Where's the Italian? Well, so it's her side, yeah. but uh, my grandfather, we say half and half. <laughs> my grandfather was, uh, I don't even remember what percentage of uh, his side that was not Italian, but um, What's the last I can't think there? of it. Well, no, the Fratali is oh, the okay. Italian side. Okay, yeah. All right. I love the, I love the, Ita I know there's yeah, an Italian. Fratali. Last name there. Yeah, Fratali. I sit across from you and I do see Italian. Like, I think it seeped through. It made well, it all there. the way to you. So it's Italian and Ukrainian. Oh, so, okay. right. yeah, the yeah. Ukrainian's strong like bull and the Italian is crying and angry all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> But so mom was a bit of a deep, mom was, was she, mom loud and like very, like. She was very, she was a petite, mm -hmm. but she was loud mm -hmm. and she was always made up. Yeah. And everything was over the top. You know, she canceled Christmas and stuff like that, which was just like, we were like, you can't cancel Christmas, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then dad was, I mean, he wasn't, he was just stern and strong. And so I got this, you know, work ethic from both of them. Um, most of the work ethic, you know, you know, I think of my dad, you know, strong work ethic, hard worker, good to people. Yeah. Mom was, you know, you know, help people, help people, but believe in yourself. You can do anything kind of a thing. So those are the positives. <laughs> There's a list of negatives, like anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was there was some. Again, I, I'm referencing the story that I read last night. There was some hardship there for you a little bit later, right? And I guess we're kind of skipping ahead, but, but I mean, I your dad was was not okay with who you eventually came out to be. Is that right? Or yeah, I mean, he, it was, he came around, but at first, no right. good. I was right. married to my high school sweetheart, Anne Marie, and we were married from, well, we were together from 88 to 98. Yeah. And um, and I think there was a relief on my parents' side that it was like, oh, he's not gay, you know. Because ever since I can ever remember, my parent, my father, the men in the family, would tease that I was a fairy or that I was, oh, you know, yeah, he's yeah. lighting the loafers. He's the, you know, those old school statements and speak in a lower voice, you know, don't flail your arms, don't wear these clothes, you know, all these types of things. And, and frankly, I had no idea anything about what they were talking about. I just, I just know that I just, what I felt was you must not like me. Mm. And so from a very early age, it became this, this concept of I'm not good enough. I don't know what that meant because I did not know anything about my sexuality it wasn't even like it just wasn't even a thought until then in high school and i'm dating Anne marie i came out to her once and she's like you just european will deal with it i don't know what that's supposed to mean no shit really <laughs> so i was yeah. like okay well, you know well, was she was she trying to say I'm, you're bisexual and it's a fine was she trying to say like I love you no matter what. It doesn't matter. I don't know exactly. Yeah. So I thought I can't get out of this. Yeah, and yeah. so I, 
even the night before I got married, the guy who was my best man, who is also out, was pretty much always out. He was like, you don't have to do this. And I did it anyway. And so yeah. on were my you, wedding day, were I, you on the altar kind of knowing like, oh, oh I cried the whole day. Oh, fuck, I man, cried I'm the whole sorry. day. Yeah. And I cried because I loved her and I, and I, yeah. uh, and God rest her soul. She's passed away. Oh, I didn't know that. In the I'm last, sorry. um, it's now almost two years, yeah. but, um, we, I, I absolutely loved her. I mean, we grew up together. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, it was not a matter of the jokes that you can say like things didn't work things worked we were fine i was absolutely either bisexual or gay um i just knew i wasn't being true to myself yeah and then for what you know for multiple reasons we split and then i didn't really say anything to my family but when i did say i came to rochester and look backing up i came to rochester and saw this world of oh there are gay people in relationships and straight people are fine with it. And there are gay pride parades and people are celebrating. You know, what year is this about? This is 99, 2000. Okay. Okay. And at this time, this is me coming here, opening a business and, and starting to see more diversity in general. And But specifically with the gay world, I was like, oh, it's okay. You know, I came from this very small town where it was backward, mm-hmm. and then I come here, and you know it was very much I joke like Oz because I was like, oh, I was living in some kind of like not only was I in the closet, but the whole kind of city and town and 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 just the way that people lived. I mean, I was in a ballet company, and everybody who was clearly gay was still in the closet. Like there was no like, it was just not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And at least that's how it felt. So then, okay, fine. I go home. I come out and. You know, the mom was the whole like, you know, it's the true, it's a, it's part of my stand up, but it's also the true thing she said. She's like, you don't want to touch somebody's pickle or put your pickle in somebody's dupe. I was like, what? We're trying to have a serious conversation, mom. Like, you know, and she's crying and she's like, what am I going to tell the people in the community? And I'm like, no one's going to hold a meeting. Like, <laughs> you know, and this is, uh, this is Italian, everybody. Um, and dad just saw her emotions and was, angry and I think he was angry that like he however in his mind he thought he failed he spit in my face and told me get out and literally this close to my face and I was like well that's that that's the last they don't want anything to do with me and my siblings were frustrated and angry because they fell in love with my ex-wife too so they thought I was just being this selfish no one really understood what was happening we were all young and um, so I stayed in Rochester and kind of built this family. And that's who I was visiting. Became He became my friend Sam and I became family and another friend, Alicia. And, you know, um, we built our own family. We had our own holidays. We did our own thing. And then I started to realize that community can become family, you know. And then that type of message folds through in a lot of what Mrs. Kasha Davis does. And I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, man. I, I'm so sorry that you dealt with... Well, I'll tell you what. That stuff. I appreciate that, but I'll tell you what happened then. Um, so I found the family here. Yeah. The long story short, if I can make it short, is that I learned to, it took me a long time, but I learned to love myself. And in that process, my mother got sicker and she passed away. My father got scared because he realized we don't all live forever. I don't know where the, what, the, what he was thinking. 
And so we started to have some sort of a relationship. In that pro- in that in that time period, then I got sober. Who calls who? What's that? When when your mom passes away, I mean, who does dad call and tell you that? I mean, um, how does that? How, what are, what are the first words you and your dad say to each other after all that well, negativity? I mean, we would see each other, but it wasn't a lot of talking. I mean, there were times when I would come around and, yeah. you know, um, when I was siblings or something. Yeah. And, and yeah. when I would be with my husband, Steve, and our daughters, they would say that's that man and those girls. They wouldn't use their names. Mm-hmm. And that was just ripped me apart. And I would be God. so angry. But so we started to have some, let's just say that that disownment kind of like separation we were able to get back together, but it was just, there was always tension. It was never, it was never very close. Mom passes, you know, I finally see my father cry. I get sober and I start to realize I had a lot of expectations for him. And there were some times and things that, you know, I was really tough on him as a, as a kid too. So I start to kind of clean up my side of the street. And in that process, and in his process of seeing me kind of like make an effort, I go to Scranton one time and I get booked at a uh, Toyota dealership, as you do, uh, to do a gig. And he said he's going to come to the show. And I almost like literally like crap my pants. I yeah, was yeah. like, you know, you're the one that called me a fairy. Like, you don't, I'm going to be in drag. He's like, yeah, I know. I saw it in the paper, obviously. Yeah, and I imagine at this point you don't get nervous, right? Where you had to. I mean, I get nervous because I care about the show, but I don't get like you don't get. Yeah, you're not. You don't have stage fright, but I that day had that day was the the scariest. I I was in absolute panic, and I'm sober, so I'm like, don't drink over this. Like you can get through this. Oh God, too. That's the other thing when you have a vice. Oh my God, that like oh that puts sobriety in such trouble. Oh my God, you're a hero just for not drinking. Well, for that (laughs) he came to the show. I sing my songs. I tell my stories. Uh, but before the show, he came backstage, which was the sales department <laughs> and he goes, Eddie, not Kasha, Eddie, you look beautiful. Oh, and it was like, that's amazing. Yeah. And so did you cry in that I moment? I did. And did you ruin your was, makeup? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's never that good anyway. <laughs> but then, you know, unfortunately a few months later he passes, oh, but he, I find this he this like he printed out something from our uh, social media somebody you know sent it to him whatever and his friend is like is this Eddie he's like yeah that's my son Eddie and I'm so proud oh my so, you know, god that makes me want to cry well I like to tell that story because of the fact that like we 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 struggled for so long yeah and we hadn't really I just I I resigned myself that I'm gonna have no relationship with this this man and you know when he dies it'll just be I'll respectfully go to the funeral and that'll be it. But we ended up having a couple months of a, or excuse me, a couple years of like an okay to good relationship. And it was at his later years and maybe he softened and started to see things differently. But The world changed too, right? The world changed. Media was more available. I mean, there's things on TV. At this point, he's got to know that that shit was backwards. (laughs) What he was living his whole life, right? This idea that you weren't allowed to be gay in the world. Like, are you kidding me? He had to have eventually... That had to be what it was, right? I mean, it opened his, and then he he's go, oh, I, my son, and eventually right. the world just opened up to him. I right. think, and, and I'm glad for him in that respect. Yeah, you know, and now I can yeah. start to talk about the things that they taught me a lot of really good things. Like, when you were in it, so now it's great. Like you tell that story, that's beautiful. Everything you just said is beautiful, but when you were actually still in it, and it was actually still happening, I mean, how did you cope with that? Because that is. 
so hurtful. Yeah. I mean, well, the ne- the way I coped with it was to drink. Yeah, you know, that and was I drank 100%. abusively. Yeah, that was driven. Now, do you think that was driven more by having just been closeted for so long, or was that from a tough relationship with your father? And where did it come from? I think it's both. I think. Uh, I was afraid to just, I was always afraid to be myself because of that, those original words early on. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a way to cope. It was a way to numb. It was a way, and, and, you know, and it, and I realized that their words, I did not have to take those words. At some point it was up to me as an adult Mm -hmm. to love myself. Yeah. And that's, that's what it comes down to. And for me, that meant putting a drink down. And making a, pro- a different, uh, you know, finding other solutions, other tools, and then you know, now we have, we jump into this this idea of story time. One of the most amazing things happened yesterday, and no, it wasn't filming the pilot. It was one of the uh, co-creators and writers. Her son, I sent home a bunch of stuff for her son and uh, daughter, and his he had a pair of clip-on earrings, and he was joyful. And his parents, his mom and dad, were happy to send me the picture. And it's like, it's just a thing to dress up. I mean, it doesn't mean anything about anything about what direction he's going to go in his life. But that he's just happy and joyful in a moment playing dress up or whatever. And that's the message of of you know, where Mrs. Kasha Davis is headed and where I'm headed as uh, somebody who's looking to do these, you know, this kids television show is that it's not just for the kids because the kids don't need the permission. It's for the parents to be like, it's okay. You know, it's just stuff, you know? And ultimately, the face that he's making, the joy on his face that's I know what yeah. parents want. It's all we want, right? That's and all you, you want. You said you have a couple daughters, right? I, well, yeah. there's Steve's daughters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my stepdaughters, and ultimately, yeah, you just how, want. How your, old are they? Well, now they're adult women. Okay. okay. We got a 29 uh, uh, year old and a 27 year old. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you met my three year old, yeah. right? All I want, all I want, is I want to put everything the world has to offer in front of him, right? And let him pick a couple things, and just watch the joy in his eyes when he picks yeah. those couple things, no matter what they are. I don't care what they are. It could be anything. Right. I just want, you're so right. You've tapped into it with Imagination Station. Right. That's right. It, and it's, totally. a ma- it's a matter, like you said, that it's the happiness, the joy, obviously healthy. Um, because when we start to like put these expectations and like you, you, or, you or I might love sports, just we can't force that on our child or, right. you know, dancing or, you know, things that are quote unquote gender specific or whatever they are. Our interests, we can't force that on our child and then put them into a box where they feel like they're trying to fight to be yeah. themselves. Yeah. And then what are they going to reach for? Well, how do I, so how do we, so here's, so I need your advice. So how do I choose? So, so the thing is, as I said, theoretically, I want to put everything the world has to offer in front of him, but he's three. I mean, right. he doesn't even know, like, do we, I, we signed him up for soccer. I, I, on the one hand, I feel like, am I pushing him into like this masculine sports, you will be an athlete <laughs> thing? Or, or or is it my job to sign him up for soccer and dance and an instrument and then see what fleshes out at the end? I mean, I think that there's a balance there. I think, you know, you can you know your son best. If he's if you're signing up for soccer and you can tell he loves it, keep signing him up for soccer. Yeah, but the right. minute he says, I don't think I want to do this, then you got to say, am I upset that he's quitting because of my buddies who are also like – have have a kid playing soccer and you know we can get caught up in what other people think too much right right, right. and 
you know, at school they have all the different opportunities to find things, and and now that we have so much television and social media, I mean, all the different ways kids can play. It's just play, and so if they play dress up and they seem to be gravitating to something, and it makes you feel uncomfortable, then you got to say, "Am I uncomfortable with my son gravitating towards a cape or a dress, or am I uncomfortable? Is it me that is not comfortable?" And maybe, like, I love to see this. This is what I love about social media now is that the dads that are out there, they're like, well, that's what my son wants. I'm going to wear one, too. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it's just material. Like, I always laugh. Like, the first dress I wore was when I was in church. It was an altar boy. You know, it was a dress. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. (laughs) And I thought it was pretty cool. (laughs) I don't really like wearing dresses so much necessarily. It's, It's the fact that I get to be... So Mrs. Kasha Davis to me is Ed with an exclamation point. It's like, I, there's no rules. It's I you can, turned up to 12. Yeah. yeah. It's just that, yeah, sure, I like sparkly things. So did Liberace. Okay, yes, he was gay. <laughs> but, you know, like, so do, like, all these other, like, performers and, and types of things. It's just, there's no box. So can we talk about stay in. Can, can we talk about the, the development of Kasha Davis throughout sure. the years? Uh, how many years ago, or where and when, was Kasha Davis's first ever appearance i'm talking about that yeah. first time she ever appeared anywhere where well, was it first was at mother's here in uh on south union in rochester and so i saw the girls aggie ambrosia darian all the oh aggie the was always amazingly sweet as well i should give credit yeah, well there. that's love aggie dude. yeah she's really good at yes. putting up that front uh <laughs> <laughs> no she is she is a great person <laughs> So anyway, I saw I saw them, and I was like, they're great. It's entertaining. I loved it. It's, I didn't really, I wasn't exposed to drag until I came to Rochester either. But then I saw this performer, Miss Richfield, 1981, who was a performer who did similar stuff but didn't look good, did, purposely didn't look good. And then also like was like sort of, there was a backstory. So it made me think of theater, which is what I went to school for. And so I was like, oh, so here's a character on stage with a backstory, singing live, and there's a message. I was like, I can get into that. Not that I am judging the, you know, lip syncing and looking beautiful, but that was like, well, okay. So it was one note to me. It was like, not that everybody can do it, but it was just not what I wanted to do. So anyway, I came back and I asked the owner of Mothers, can I do it? And he was like, (laughs) his name was Carlos. I consider Carlos Naomi Kane my drag mother. And Carlos was like, sure, baby, come on down on Sunday. And I was like, (laughs) you know, like... Heavy smoker, and you know, is there like is there like an am- amateur day for it, Sunday? Was to- like the I don't want to call it an amateur night, but it was their slower night, so they yeah. were like, We'll give a chance to whatever this dude spends a lot of money at the bar, yeah. you know, let him give it a shot, let him do his thing, yeah. And so I rehearsed like Steve and I, like, I went over and over and I did Lime Jello, Marshmallow, Cottage Cheese Surprise, and I Enjoy Being a Girl, which is a Broadway song from uh, Flower, uh, Flower Drum Song, I think. Anyway, so. And it was just, it was just campy and goofy and had hairy arms. And I, I mean, I look, you know, but I wanted it, you know, I knew I was Mrs. Kasha Davis and this was my husband, Mr. Davis. And actually I was Kasha Davis and this is, uh, I, I did call him Mr. Davis, but I didn't call myself Mrs. Until Naomi one night, they had dancers backstage, you know, they bring in these guys and they're stripping and then everybody's checking them out. And I'm like, I'm married. And he was like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, like I'm, not, I, I'm married, you know. And, and this is before it was even legal, but I was like, that's it. You know, we're not in an open relationship. So the, he's announcing everybody, and he's like, Miss Aggie Dune, Miss Ambrose out, and the married lady, Mrs. Kasha. And I thought that was so funny. It is. It really is. Because I was like, oh, like the, you know, 
back when I was a kid, it was Mrs. Stone would lived on one side, Mrs. Ganahl was on the other, you know, Mrs. The, and then there's Mrs. Roper, Mrs. C, and I was like, yeah, that's the that's the character that I you know it's just it's, build upon. it's such a great like uh, like point to Kasha Davis that she's married and she's off the market right right you do not like there is no no yeah. questions asked here that was always you're right it is just such a funny note like right. it's just a, such a funny character point I should well, say and it's different because drag queens sometimes are like you know they're they're you know over the top and maybe overly sexual right and they're they'll be flirtatious and stuff but Mrs. Kasha Davis like you know if she did they'd be like oh. <gasps> You know, like yeah. she's married, you know, like, and, you know, yeah. social media, my God, you know, people send people pictures, this, that, and the other. I don't get anything, which is good. Um, sometimes it'll spice up the bedroom to get a picture here and there, but no, it's great that I don't get this, like, you know, kind of like barrage of people yeah. trying to, like, go down that road. Is that a, is that a fetish? Thing? Is there a lot of people attracted to the drag queens on that well, one? I think some, some, I mean, yeah. There's a fetish for everything. For everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like with that whole thing is like, oh, you were on TV. Yeah. You know, and I want to be like, I want to be able to say that I sent my nude oh, yeah, yeah. to this person and I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but do you guys have to, do you ladies have to worry about walking out of the club at night at two o'clock in the morning and there being some creepy dude waiting for you in the parking lot? Does that, <laughs> does that happen at all? Well, I think that everybody should be aware yeah. You know, if anybody's listening, like if, you know, I, I, I unfortunately have seen people um, when I was pulling up once at Mother's, I saw somebody who uh, she's uh, was I don't know how far she was into her transition, but she was transitioning and she just a car drove by and they, this group of young guys got out and just beat the crap out of her. Oh. And this particular gal was the most supportive. I'm um, still is. Uh, I'm, I'm saying I was, um, but at the time, like, you know, was supportive at the club um, and older. I want to say in, in her 60s, like a, 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 a bunch young, of young bunch of 20 year old kids jump out and just like beat her up. Like, what do they prove it? What's the what what did, what, what in their heads? What did they win? That well, that's day? what I'm saying. Like, like, you know, like, you know, and she got up, good for her. pulled herself together. I went in and watched the show. Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she, I mean, it was just like, and to this day, I see her at the casino sometimes, or I see her, you know, and um, she has her own story to tell, but it was pretty amazing. I mean, she had, uh, previous to her transition, a wife and kids and a business in, in the area and everything, and just mm -hmm. like a, you know, trying to live her truth and in her older age, and here's this bunch of young kids, you know, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm just like, why can't you just drive by? Yeah. You know? And one of the, the, the big messages we have with Storytime, because Storytime Imagination Station, we used to wonder how many people we were going to get as protesters. And, and we don't get too much because we're at the private theater with Blackfriars Theater. But we got some. And the director there gave me, Danny Hoskins, gave me the best advice. He's like, when they say things like, you're pushing your agenda, your drag, or your identity sexually on kids say w the only agenda we're pushing is kindness if you see somebody different in this world treat them with kindness of course if you see somebody right even most especially when we're kids that's different what do kids say like that person looks like that like they're going to say something but if we can teach our kids to treat uh somebody who's different with kindness why can't we as adults follow that same rule and that's really what it comes down to. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. If you're not comfortable with somebody who's dressed in drag, don't go see the show. And 
and or don't bring your kids to see the story time. Period. Is it possible to to just not be comfortable with that, or does that have to be taught to somebody at some point? I think it has to be taught. I think so too, yeah. right? So, like anybody who's in that position, at some point, something influenced them to think that that was for right. whatever reason wrong, and that's unfortunate. But maybe it's fixable if they were taught that to begin with. Is it? Have you seen that in your life? Have you seen someone like? I mean, your well, father. my father. Yeah, your yeah. father. It's a bad question on my part. Because no, you saw but I just. Father, it, but. I, we both hit the re- realization at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, so it's so it's what can happen. Yeah. Yes. I mean, oh my gosh. You know, it's almost in some ways uh, the more I spend time performing laughable that uh people would be so angry at a choice of clothing, you know. Yeah. I remember when I first or 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 any of it, any, any gender or sexuality because it really has nothing to do with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with yeah. you, you know, um, except for your uh, comfort level. So what what has happened to you? What do you need to do address in yourself? But I remember going to when I first was shopped for drag, I would be scared to death to walk into the women's department. Now I walk, march right right in there and just <laughs> get what I need and walk out. Like if you have to ask me a question about why I'm buying this thing, then ask it. You know, I'll tell you. Um, I you know. I don't know that that's very comfortable. Yeah. But you know, back to the, you know, people walking out of the club thing, you know, it's like, we still have to be aware, you know, we have to be aware of our surroundings and that's just being safe. You know, I don't think you should be paranoid, but we should know, you know, uh, and be, and it's always good for people to, 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 to be aware, well, you know, I don't have too many stalkers looking for Mrs. Well, she's married. She's yeah, a married, married lady, married. and I mean, she's yeah. just, you know, she's, she's not the best looking lady around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back to early Kasha Davis yeah. days. Is is drag like stand up comedy in the sense that there are open mic nights, right? But man, if you're if you're not good, you could get booed off stage. Oh yeah, is drag a little more accepting, or did or did you need to really nail it, or you were going to get booed off stage that night? I mean, I don't necessarily think you get booed. One thing, one thing about drag is you get tipped. So you know, you, the minute you hit backstage, like you know, the queens like show their wares. You know, they'll put that right out on the table, like look what I got. You know, mm-hmm. or oh, they're tipping big tonight. I got tens and twenties or whatever. You know, I knew early on that the song choices I was ma- that I was making. Because of my theater mind, I was like, okay, well, this one's going to do like a sexy song. That one's going to do a goofy song. This one's going to, I'm going to do old school, like campy, like, you know, stuff that they would never do, but love it. And I knew from my theater training that if you love your performance, if you are in, in your performance, other people will notice. So they didn't know the songs, you know, per se. But they were like, that Kasha Davis is, she's funny, you know. Yeah. And I would say, like, you either love Mrs. Ka- there are those that love Mrs. Kasha Davis, and then there's everybody else. You know, and that's just the way it is in life, right? Like, right. I can't, They the, a bar owner might say, you need to go out there and do top 40. And I'd be like, I don't know who they are. I know <laughs> Ethel Merman. <laughs> and they're like, who? Exactly. I am going on that, you know. And I go out and do those songs, and like, there's this Ethel Merman disco CD that is horrible, and that's exactly what I want to go do on stage because, you know, Mrs. Kasha Davis would be—that's what she would choose, you know, while she's vacuuming and drinking all day long. That that's the number she would do at night when she sneaks out, you know. And so I would do that versus trying to dress up and do the newest Madonna song at the time, you know, or whatever. And so, if that you went back and watched, different. if you watched tape of yourself from that first performance, would you say, "Wow, I was good," or would you say, "Holy cow, 
I was bad. Because I'm thinking about back from my radio days. If I listened to my early radio stuff, I would have thought, oh, my God, how did anyone hire that kid? Yeah. Or, or was Kasha good from day one? I don't like to watch a lot of the stuff I do because I'm yeah. too critical yeah, of myself yeah. and I'm, I'm my worst critic. Like this joke didn't land. Yeah, oh, I should have told yeah, it better. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I always want to know, like, yeah. I, even like from high school after a play, I'd come and stand there for the critiques with my father and mother and we'd sit there and go through yeah, yeah. almost line by line. Um, so I look at stuff and I always see where I can improve upon, but I'm like, it's it's a process. It's like, well, if, if it's, ultimately the best then i why then i should stop and do something else yeah, right yeah, you know what yeah. i mean like you gotta get better every day yeah it's like it's just you have know. you ever bombed absolutely yeah yeah so like, there's a show right now i'm not even gonna say which one but i think they told me there's two tickets sold so i yeah. need to get on that one i need to start posting well that's that's one thing i mean that's you know that's advertising and doing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but have you ever been on stage in front of a crowd and you go into the shtick and you're and doing yeah, coffee especially and it's just not working and especially you're just like, what when, the hell? well, especially when I was drinking, like I thought I was funnier than I was, or yeah. I thought like the the angle I was headed in, or when I was drinking, like there were times when, and I'm not saying people shouldn't drink, I'm just saying for me, but uh, there, you know, I drank so much I don't I don't remember who I was or who the next person was. Like it was embarrassing yeah. if I look back at those things. Um, but I think it's really important as a performer, especially like. You know, in drag, you get the opportunity to do lip sync, sing live, do stand up, and um, you pivot. You get on stage and you're like, okay, this crowd at brunch or this crowd at the comedy club is, you scan the room and, you know, like they're not laughing at that particular shtick. I kind of pivot and I go in a different direction. I know some performers that are like, oh, well, they're not, they're, I, this not is work, it's yeah. not working, and I'm going down this road, well, I'm going to give it to them, I'm worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, that's a choice. Yeah. You know, and if you're okay with that choice. Yeah. Um, some comedians do that. Some comedians do, yeah. Yeah, where they're just like, fuck you, I yeah, think exactly. this is funny, and I'm running with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you're, at this point, you're so seasoned that you can pivot on the spot. I mean, you make a choice about your show right then and there. I was heading left, now I'm heading right. I choose to, so I choose to include the audience so at that point if i know and i need to know the audience then i get out there and i figure out who's there so i'll look at people and i think because i am a little bit more like i don't want to say approachable but like you know they can recognize i'm like their aunt whoever yeah you know what i mean like i'm like their aunt their grandmother i get so many messages you're just like my aunt who you know yeah. aunt mary yeah i know um, that's the point. Well, that's why I love yeah. Kasha Davis, yeah. you know, because you're talking. You were describing yeah. your mother, and you you talked about your grandma a little bit, right? Yeah, you're describing not my mother, but you're describing all my aunts. Yeah, is what you're describing. Right, exactly. Yes. They smell a little bit like bo yeah. and powder. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're they're yeah they're exactly like Kasha yeah. Davis, quite right. frankly. Yeah, that's yeah. why I love her. Yeah, yeah. and so she, you know, she's okay. Yeah. Hello. Well, there's my little guy again, Leo. <laughs> Hi, Leo. <laughs> hey, Leo. <laughs> Aha! Yeah, Leo's. Yeah, yeah, he's playing. He's pushing the car. <laughs> so, all right. So let's go. Let's skip through a little more cautious. I, I do want to get to uh, RuPaul. I want to talk about Imagination Station, but let's talk about the big breaks that Kasha Davis had along the way. Of course, you you start doing shows, and all of a sudden you get good at it. You're starting to go all over the place. You're doing bars and clubs. At some point, you get on RuPaul's uh, Drag Race, right? Right. Uh, how did that come to be, and what was that experience like? Well, the first break, first off, was the Big Wigs, which is myself and Aggie Dune, mm -hmm. at the Golden Ponds in Greece, New York. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. so we went from the clubs to come out, come out of the clubs into the party houses, where it's primarily straight people, 
And that is exactly what RuPaul did too. But we did it like, I don't know, five or six years before that. So our friends, Darian Lake and Ambrose Giselle, would see us. They're like, I can't believe you're doing that. You know, we were bold. We got out in front of the, and we would sell like great crowds and we would do impersonation, but our way. And so we, I saw the audition notice for RuPaul's Drag Race. And the first time it was a drag queen and their assistant. So Aggie and I auditioned together and we're like, you can take either one of us and we'll be the assistant. They didn't go down that route. They cast only drag queens. So I auditioned all seven seasons. It was a seeing, funny idea though. I like that idea. It was a funny yeah, idea. Yeah. So then there was all seven seasons that I auditioned and the seventh time I got on, Pandora had gotten on season two and who's uh, currently on uh, All Stars or was on All Stars. And I was like, if she can get on, I can get on. Like, yeah. I know her. Like, she's good, but I know where she's not good. And I know her. Like, it's it made it easier for me to imagine because I knew somebody. Because even as a kid, my dad would say, like, you can't go into the theater because who do you know that's famous? Who do you know that's on stage? Yeah. And that you can't attitude, which really could mess you up. I mean, you... No matter who you're, who's out there right now listening, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's, you know, your family recipe for sauce or if it's getting on stage and drag, if you think you can, you will. If you think you can't, you won't. It's that simple. It's that simple, you know. And uh, I was like, yeah, if she can, I can. And then I auditioned and I was like this, looking back at some of the tapes, crap, crap, crap. Trying to give them what they wanted instead of just being myself. And then the final one, I know there was a difference. It was me being me, period. And if we watched the audition tape back and I was trying too hard, we redid it. And so the process, you know, I got on and it was amazing. It was life-changing. That period of time, that that with it, it's about seven years ago now, that year my life... Flipped completely. Does that happen the second that show starts airing? You go from kind of local celebrity to like boom. Is yeah, that how that works? I mean, it went from yeah, I guess local celebrity, whatever. I was running a call center. I've been there at this company for eighteen years. I'm a director in management and development, and loving it. I didn't hate it. I was ready for a change, though. My husband heard that enough. <laughs> Drinking heavily. Mom passed away. Trying to deal with that sorrow. Um, mama's boy so you know it was like Ugh. and I get cast and as a kid I was always like I want to be on I Love Lucy I want to be on I Love Lucy well of course that was like the 50s it wasn't even being filmed but in my mind a sitcom right and so when I got cast and get to Hollywood we film our promo shoot in the same studios where I love Lucy, the first I love wow. Lucy, you know. So it was like this nod in my head like, you can do it. It's just not the way you thought. It's not the way you thought it was going to be, but it's still close enough. So don't lose that faith. It's such a great point to earlier example of I can, I can, I can, because, you know, because I, the comeback to that from somebody with a smaller mind would say, I can't play in the NBA. Look at me, right? Well, let's take me, for example. Right. I'm a 38-year-old fat kid, you know. I'm probably not going to be able to go play in the NBA tomorrow. However, what you just put forth was you couldn't be in I Love Lucy. Right. Because I Love Lucy happened decades ago. But you ended up in that position where it was right. like, oh, it still happened. Exactly. I can yes. in this way. Like, it manifests itself it in manifests a way. It manifests itself. And I'm a big NBA fan, and I, I love basketball. I've always loved basketball. I'm, never pro I'm honestly probably never going to play in the NBA yet. Right. However... 
I worked myself into a position where I've had the ability to go to some games and sit in some seats that I never imagined I'd ever be able to sit in. Right. And I kind of see that in a similar light to what you're putting as, I never thought I'd have that kind of proximity to those players. Right. Right? And, or, you you know, maybe somebody who who loves the NBA, thank you for clarifying that it was basketball, by the way, because I was like, I can't remember. Uh, I'm not even lying. I was like, thank God he said basketball. Uh, so, <laughs> balls. But, so, you know, it's like, fine, maybe somebody who loves it starts a podcast maybe who somebody who loves it works yes. for somebody who is like you said so are you adjacent to it in some way it, it's a great it's great that you brought that up because some people will just dismiss it quickly because their right. their dream is it's not necessarily going to happen exactly the way we anticipate it's going to happen better and in a way like adjacent to that initial mm-hmm. thought mm-hmm. and so that's essentially and by the way and now it's your way that's the other thing now it's your way and it's unique to you however right. it does end up happening it's not the same way everyone else did it because the same way everyone else did it maybe that way is kind of boring right now it's you paved it you trailblazed you know i love it. i love your message on that well thank yeah. you i think yeah. and i think it's 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 important because we are often told we can't and we t- and then what the we time. do is we tell ourselves we can't and then what and then you don't. Yeah, you, you don't. don't. You're, it's it's going to turn into other vices or depression where right. you're feeling like, I, you know, other people are doing and you're comparing yourself to the rest of the world. And guess what? They're in the same boat, too. They, you, they It just looks somehow different mm-hmm. to you. But mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. But yeah. so drag race happened. And I I I I don't do fantastic. I do. OK. I get sent home. Uh, and then I was like, what do I do? How do I manage a? How do I, how am I a director of a call center? How does and, by the way? How does the show work though? I did want to ask one question about you know everyone always wants to know about shows like that. You know what we see on TV versus what really happened. I mean what? I mean it's both. I think the, my experience is that yes, they have a plan. Yeah. They know what they have to do. They have a. I mean you've worked in entertainment where you know right. like we have to get this these sh- th- these these guests in today or yeah. whatever you know, assuming with radio but then like with this that you know this is our general plan for the day this is what we want to happen but they're going to be watching and they put microphones on you the whole time and they listen to everything you talk about so if i start saying like you know something about Polly's hot or whatever they're going to come over with a note card and be like kasha said you're hot don't you want to say something about that so they crawl on the floor and they instigate stuff. Yeah. And they purposely make you as stressed out as possible. So they take away your phone. They lock you. Uh, when you first get there, you get locked in your hotel room. You can't use the phone. They take away your cell phone and your computer. So you can go, you can watch TV, which is fine. You can't have, uh, if you want to go out for a smoke break, if you're a smoker, like you have to get, put a note under the door and get asked and get, oh my God. go with somebody. It's like being in yeah. jail. Yeah, it's like being in jail. <laughs> oh so now you get two days of isolation first. Then they say, get in drag. We're going tomorrow. You get another note. This is what's happening tomorrow. 6 a.m. in drag for the shoot. What's the point of the isolation? To stress. I think to get you like yeah. stress. And then, then you're not allowed to talk to each other unless the cameras are on. Uh. So they call that on ice. So you're not allowed to talk to each other. So And you can't, like nobody can go to the bathroom like, together so there's no like and, and like everybody's like no has, private has an moments. escort no private moments yeah and so 
And then I think they just try to make it very difficult. Like the very 15 long days, you're exhausted. It's 15 hours there. You know, your life is depending on this. Your life will change. They give you all these pep talks and all these things. And no one's allowed to talk to each other. When we all, if like we, we all travel to another boardroom and we're all around the room and no one's allowed to talk to each other and they have guards. These guards are 20 year old kids. Why was I so scared of them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I was taking this all so serious. And so, yes, you you then you're expected to follow the rules but then you get up on the main stage when they critique you and you're like why didn't you break the rules and you're like what <laughs> i'm trying to give you what you want and then it was like now as i say that i'm like that's what i was doing in my audition table i was trying to give them what they want instead of just getting out there and if anybody's watching this or listening to this like trixie mattel just does or, or and katya they just do whatever they want well they're they've got millions of followers and they get a lot of accolades for just keep breaking the rules right so that's what i also learned in this process was again like i i i got on there and i did i tried to give them what they wanted they're like this is a fashion this is fashion and i was like so then i'm like oh it's fashion i guess i gotta be skinny so then like let me take some laxatives back in the hotel room like what was i gonna do lose 10 pounds <laughs> overnight yeah <laughs> like do you know what i mean i was already the thinnest i've been in my adult life and here i'm doing that and then i'm like fashion oh well you know you know me i'm campy i got these big giant hair so we're gonna flatten them out i'm gonna take the foam out of those oh, i'm gonna look so look pretty i'm still me you know what i mean so is that, it hard to be in drag, by the way, for 16 straight hours? Yeah, your beard grows in. Like, for me, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. So, like, I was like, what is happening? So, they want you stressed. And then they they send you, this is your homework. And they give you a, at the time, like, what was it? What is it? What, Blackberry? Yeah, to of? record, but it's not a phone. Oh, oh, yeah. What for your they? confessional? Yeah. Is that what you're talking so about? So, you have to go back to your, not for your confessional, but you go back to your room. They're like, film yourself doing this, film yourself doing that. So, they give you a whole list of stuff to do back in your room. So, oh, now so you're, you're like, shooting your own B roll? So, you're doing B roll <laughs> in the room. <laughs> and you're in charge of it? And you're in charge of it. And then they're like, okay, and learn the lyrics to these 15 songs. So, then you're like, Wah. so then you're thinking, like, well, if I'm eliminated, I have to know one of these songs. And then they're like, they'll give you one that's like completely out of your wheelhouse. And I'm like, I, and then they don't use any of them. And then they don't use any of the B-roll. So then you're like, but like looking back, I'm like, what, what was I doing? Like I should have just, you know, and then I, you know, I thought like there was always somebody watching me. There was one point where Darian was on, Darian Lake was on the season before and she said, they're going to tell you you can't go on your balcony. Just go on the balcony. If you need some fresh air in the hotel room, go ahead. So I go out on the balcony and they're like, Mrs. Kasha Davis, get back in your room. I was like, Burr. so I come back in the room and then I was like. How did they see me? I didn't know where anybody was. And then I'm like, well, why do you care? They're like, well, somebody from like TMZ is going to, I'm like, they don't even know who I am. Why would they? So I believed them. And so I had to stay in the room the whole time. One night I literally cr cracked the door open and crawled out and put a pillow just to get fresh air because I was so sick of being in the room for uh, two days in one room. Imagine. Uh, uh, you can't leave the room. That's And I, I don't smoke. So I was like. I should have pretended to smoke or just started smoking for a week. How do you, do they bring you your meals? Like what happens? Yes. Yeah, they do. And if you want a snack, you have to put a little like, you know, sticky note under the thing. Can I get some snacks? Do they feed you like a prisoner? Is it like carrot sticks? And, like, <laughs> well, like, and I was like, anything you want. Well, I was fashion. So I was trying to like not eat. You know, and I was yeah. just like, just send just a little. And I'm like, I mean, I, I don't love TV. So I was like, there's nothing to watch. There's nothing to do. Like, I tried reading books and I was writing in journals and I'm talking to myself in the room. I mean, you're in a room. Yeah, that's for One room for yeah, two days. Rough. Yeah. You know, well, you're a creator. I, like, you, you put yourself in a room. It's, it is. It's prison. I yeah, know I've said Darian it. Darian Lake says she just kept requesting lotion. 
So you just you can take it from there. You know what I mean? Like she's like, there's nothing else to do. I'm like, yeah, but there's no internet. So what do you? What kind of creative mind do you have? You know what I mean? Very funny. Yeah. Like that. Okay. So, but again, the career kind of does take off a little right there. I mean, you were you were trending upward. Now you got some national exposure. That's the first national exposure. That was the first. And and at that point too, I mean, it's national, but it began to be international. So some of the other. What time is it, by the way? I'm sorry. That's six fourteen. Okay, good. In a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Well, they they started to uh, book people are all around the world. You know, specifically Australia, UK, and um, and I got a little taste of that, but then it wasn't uh, it wasn't until a little bit later that I re- that I started to get more of that international exposure. So some people got a lot more depending on their their edit or their like uh, rank. How were you know where they they placed. Can, we, can I talk a little bit about the 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 financial side of of doing drag shows and stuff? I'm not going to ask you for any specific numbers, but there's a point in time in everyone's career where it's basically like you're doing things for exposure, and then you get to a point where you're like, I'm not doing things for exposure anymore. Now it's work. You know, mm-hmm. if you want me, you, you know, here's my fee. Did that? What at what point in the career is that? Way before Drag Race, or does that is that after Drag? Like what at what point in your career? Did that happen where you absolutely were demanding a fee now? It was no longer just, I'll show up and hopefully get tipped. uh, Well, you know what? I think I still will show up and hopefully get tipped. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I have a management company that does, I try to have them do the bookings for, you know, for things. Negotiating. But I'll make a decision most specifically at home in the Rochester area where I'm like, you know, this is something I would do for free. And then there's certain things that I won't. Um, and I have my reasoning for that. It's like my favorite thing is when somebody says to a performer, specifically a drag performer, is there any way you can come and host this? And then it always turns into like, can you host it? And then can you do the nowadays? It turns into can you also do these videos and can you post this and can you do that? And it's for the good of the community or for this particular organization. And I, my question then is like, so the the caterer is donating all the food, right? And the hall is free. And the answer is always no. So I'm like, I don't know that I should be free. Yeah. Like if I can give you, you know. So well, you know what you do? You pick you pick one or two so causes. So you pick a couple things. That yeah. are near and dear to your heart. And you're like, right. I'm going to d- donate my time to those couple of things. Because otherwise, you know how it is. You'll be asked uh, to do a thousand well, different it, things. Yeah, everybody, everybody's, you know, it's a it's a fundraiser. Okay, everything's a fundraiser. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So there are certain things that, yes, I'll still do. Um, and that's just the decision I make, you know, as a as it happens and i do believe though because of where i you know this is now almost this is six years ago i was on rupaul's drag race but let me tell you something i had there's a documentary made about me and my life and the community of rochester and my friends there's you know i've been in a couple movies and i now i've got the children's television pilot because i say yes you know, if somebody asks me to be on their podcast, I say yes. I, I might know, be late, but <laughs> fashionably. <laughs> but late. that's what you do. You say yes. Yeah. You know, because I don't know. First of all, um, wh- who I'm going to meet. I don't know who's going to listen. You're right. And I don't know what's you know. And then the other thing is like you know I don't wait. My parents taught me that. You know, my parents taught me that you don't sit and wait. If you want something, go get it. You know. But now I need your advice. I need your advice because I also feel like some of my success has been from saying yes to everything. Right. I can totally relate to what you're talking about. But there are some times where I fear 
that I'm spreading myself too thin or that, uh, you know, it's a Saturday, maybe it's a Saturday night. I, maybe I should be home and see my son on this Saturday yeah. night, but I've been asked to MC this thing and there'll be 300 people there and it's a, it's a good spot for me to be seen in and I should say yes to it. I, I mean, how do I, I, what advice can you give me? I'm yeah. sorry to just turn this into advice. Uh, but no, like, I mean, I, how do you pick and choose? Because I want to say yes all the time, but sometimes I feel like sometimes I should say no, but I suck at it. Yeah. I suck. It's hard to say no. Um, when we're, when, when you run your own business. And I think that my, I'll speak from my experience, my husband and my, our kids, they are a part of the conversation, right? And um, you know how your, specifically your son is still so young, but you know specifically how you and your wife, if you're talking and it's like, I'm, you know, as a couple, like, this is a great opportunity. Nah, this is not, you know, I need you here. You know, you have to gauge that. That's that's how I do it. Is that I look at the situation. So your husband has a vote in whether or not. You yeah, there's a, a vote. Yeah, there's a vote, yeah. and I think there's certain situations where they understand. But I made some. I made some bad decisions. I I missed a Christmas, and our youngest daughter gave me gave me some crap about that for a gig for a Christmas and New Year's in Puerto Vallarta doing some shows, and. At the time, I was like, oh, they're asking me to go. Yeah, because I'll say yes, and it's Christmas, and nobody else would say yes. Mm -hmm. And I did the shows, and it was great, and it was a good experience, but it was not a great experience for us as a family. Um, I I've, done missed, a, I've done a couple of those. Yeah, and yeah. I've missed a, I missed a graduation, mm -hmm. um, and I justified it as, well, she's going to master, she's going to get her master's, so I'll, I'll see that. Yeah. That's not. That wasn't appropriate. So I have to hold myself accountable to that and I just have to understand that like you know what this I'm going to say yes to things but I'm also going to do the self care if I'm feeling like I'm stretching myself too thin or if I'm making you know the most important relationships are my husband and kids you know now a, a new son-in-law to be but you know that's that myself and that and those relationships that's most important so if I'm suffering or if they're suffering then I have to say no. How fabulous is this wedding going to be, by the way? Oh, my God. <laughs> Think about this. Like, well, there's seven parents. There's, That's the other thing yeah. the, the, these days. So there's seven parents. <laughs> I say that when people ask, like, how many people are – I'm like, I know you want to know about the wedding, how many people are going to be there. There are seven <laughs> parents. That's, like, a lot of parents. Yeah. And so they all have friends. Uh -huh. And then there's all the different sides of those friends and, like – groups of people within this banquet hall like if you think about it like these 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 they were married so this one doesn't talk to this one anymore there's going to be so Every much drama family, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's going to be so <laughs> and all of that and um it's going to be amazing she's <laughs> she's a planner she's got it all organized it's you know yeah it's going to be great and he's a great great guy we couldn't be happier um we're very very glad about that that's that's a that's hard to uh you know you know Everybody she's dated, we we can see why she dated them, you know, over the years and our, our both of our daughters. But, you know, it's like okay, this is the person that you know is going to be included in the family and yeah, and uh, it's weird, isn't it? It truly is family now. It's well, yeah, you know, a boyfriend's a boyfriend, but now it's like, well, this guy is in our family now, right? And yeah, and like he teaches me some things and vice versa. Like I, I like what? Well, I just I think it's like just more more accepting of some things that maybe I'm like you know uh, 
Let's put it that way. Let's leave it there. Yeah. Let's leave it that. yeah. Is he like a manly man? Is that what I you're mean? You know to? what? He was definitely. A, he, you know, yeah. he's he was manly man, but he's he's from my area. He's more Binghamton, New York. And uh, he came into the family and like this is the first time like seeing drag the first time seeing like you know, yeah. and uh, and great about that. But he's so pa- I guess like some of the good qualities. He's so patient with people who I want to like fr- flip out on you know <laughs> in the family. And he's like good and loving and patient and like and like I'm like wow, um, you know so that kind of stuff. And uh, and I and I think that's you know that's the kind of person that I want to see our daughter have kids with you know what i mean like we're thinking about that like i'm like looking back behind you and the kids like playground stuff and i'm thinking to myself like i can't wait for our yard to be full of that stuff so that we have we're of those seven grandparents ours is the coolest house yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. uh oh my god what, you guys are gonna spoil oh my kids. god this is gonna be terrible yeah like you know these, all these toys this is all grandparents by the way all the toys you oh, see yeah. around me this is all grandma and grandma yeah of course yeah <laughs> you know i mean that's the fun you know that i can't wait i already have a swing set picked out and and the kids are like we don't need to i'm like the minute yeah. You tell me I can. It's I'm going to get this thing, and it's like this jungle gym swing. And I'm like, and every time those that child comes over, some kind of magical fairy angel, or whatever, has going to leave some gift in that thing that they're going to have to climb up there and get, you know. And uh, they're like, you're crazy. I'm like, yep. And it's a co- and I guess it's a competition with all the grandparents to see who's going to, you know. It kind of is, and we as the parents we benefit. Yeah. Right, because like he's just he's got everything he needs. Like he's about to go to preschool. Oh my god, we don't even have to think about going no. to buy him clothes. The clothes right. just show up from yeah. grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Great. that'll be fun. <laughs> okay, let's get to imagination station. Okay. Let's go ahead a little bit. This is I was uh, again I read the city news article. This is uh, an idea that's a few years old, right? Definitely. 2017 Fringe Fest. You kind of did the beginnings of this. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we did a little bit of a library story hour. And it was with the Rhonda Coit Library, and then we also went into the Rochester Public Library downtown. And then, um, you know, it's not an original idea, drag story time. My t- my character fits very well with kids, uh, sort of like a Mrs. Doubtfire mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then... Um, you said Mrs. Doubtfire meets Mr. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> Meets you know, Mrs. Bob Dow- Ro- no, I'm making up the Bob Ross part. Uh, no, no Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. And, uh, yeah. Pee-wee Herman. Pee-wee Herman, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, drag is, is Pee-wee. It's, it's outrageous. Mrs. Doubtfire is like, you know, she's not overly sexual. You know what I mean? She's a yeah. grandma or an aunt, and she's, woo, you know, all that. And uh, Mr. Rogers, what I, I, I really think that we have tapped into a way to talk, like, from our heart. And to talk about things like one of, if you watch his, the documentary on him or the the film, it's like it's incredible what he was doing. Like, you know, so many things that were happening in real life that he brought into this children's television thing. And he said, you know, we don't have to go crazy and smash smash you know another car- cartoon character over the head. We can sit and talk quiet to kids and they'll listen. And I would li- I I I would. When I saw that film, I would start thinking about when we were doing our story hours at Blackfriars Theater, that when the kids would, you know, at first, uh, they'd be yelling and screaming, and I'd come out, and they'd just, and I would find a way to use my voice to, to quiet them down just by speaking a little bit lower, and, you know, yes, I'm dressed up in drag and all that kind of stuff. And the kids, you know... They just believed it's Mrs. Kasha Davis who loved books and she lives at the theater and she likes to sing songs and she likes to ask us what we will be when we grow up, not what you want to be, you know, because that was the question. What do you want to be? It's not what you want to be. It's what will you be? You know, I will be 
whatever. And some of them, you know, would answer a unicorn and other ones would be like a marine biologist or whatever else, a policeman, a police woman, whatever. And so we, I improvise with the kids and we talk and read a book, sing a song, they do a craft. And so we were doing this and we were playing and having fun. And Mary Tabali Hoffman was, uh, is one of the, uh, she does the fundraising for Blackfriars Theater and she was the one that wanted it to be at Blackfriars. And it was her idea to do it there. And we did it and we got to the point where we were doing it twice on a Saturday. Full house. A couple hundred kids and parents. And then the pandemic hit. So Mr. Davis and I were like, what can we do for people? I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to be doing drag for whatever. I mean, why would you do drag from home? Like none of that made sense. I ended up working more over that time period over Zoom and for colleges and because people wanted something to do. How hard home. was it to perform to a screen? I mean, I didn't mind it. It was like, whatever. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I will say that some people like, I, I do these Zoom bingos for Zoom for colleges and like they, some colleges, they want the, all the kids off camera. So I'm just standing there, sitting there talking to myself the whole time. I'm like, well, this just reminds me of when I was a kid. <laughs> I'd get into the into the bathroom and put on my mother's makeup and be like, hello. You know, <laughs> yeah. and talk quietly to myself so no, none of my other siblings or my parents can hear me and I'd be having a show in the mirror. I'm like, it's just like that. Crazy. But uh, anyway, uh, we started doing stories. So we did 100 Storytime Live books. Our daughter is a children's librarian. She'd pick a book. We would do a book. And we try to play like sort of like Mr. Rogers. If like, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter was going on. So we're choosing books, you know, that would 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 uh, correlate uh, and so on and so forth and fear of, of being outside with, you know, with sickness going on and like, what's it going to be? How long is this going to happen? And the different, like, you know, because people would have fear and anxiety, we would do a book about fear and anxiety and talk about those things. And so I was able to practice that, that whole improvisation and, and skill set. And then, uh, Ben over at fish and crown creative and I were talking and we're like, let's pitch it to HBO Max and they said show us more so I was like hmm it's so a hell of a lot better than no exactly yeah and so we're like well let's show them more so I ask you know the trusted people that I've worked with for years at Blackfire Theater Danny Hoskins and Mary and they're like the theater is empty we don't need to rent a space let's see if we can get some money from GoFundMe and we'll you know build a set let's build this out and do it right and write a script so the four of us would meet weekly and we're writing scripts and then we ended up raising we're almost at forty thousand dollars nice and which is was the gofundme still going right it's now? still going right now yeah how, so how would we find just imagination state <laughs> it's um blackfriars theater uh, dot, uh is the website and you can see it on my socials on the link tree there on uh instagram it's the first button there but you know we were able to pay the actors. We're able to, we, it's all Rochester actors, all Rochester designers and all Rochester technicians doing the editing and everything. So it's my hope is that, you know, we can secure this with a streaming network or, a, you know, a network itself, whether it's public broadcasting or, you know, the cable and keep it in Rochester, you know, and we, the format is you're at home with Mr. and Mrs. Davis Imagination station is your mind. You're using your imagination. It's not a destination. It's your mind. So your 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 creativity. And so, Mr. and Mrs. Davis, and then we say you want to go into imagination station, and that's you look in your reflection, you look into your own eyes, and that is your imagination. So you go there, and then when you get into imagination station, my hair goes from black to pink or 
blue and like I'm suddenly in like flamboyant drag and the room is, you know, just this magical place, like sort of like, you know, Batman's cave. Right. And then you go, then, uh, I'm having trouble upstairs in the house. Uh, and I call the library because there's a 24 hour librarian who suggests a book. We read a book and then we say, Oh, we've got to get out into the community. And then we visit like places like Powers Market, a um, fire station. Like there's other places. Like my mind is like, you know, someday we can visit the Rockets. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, how you much go- of this is filmed already? You're in the process of filming, right? We filmed all four episodes in oh. four four days. Oh wow! Holy cow! Yeah, and that was just this week or the last. This couple is weeks? why today, I, like, I was like so tired. Yeah, I have never done anything. I've never worked. Like that was insane. I was never not on stage. One moment, oh, to go to the bathroom, of course, yeah. and to eat. But like literally, I was constantly on stage, and you know we worked fast. Now the now it's the editing process, and I'm sure we're gonna have to do some pickups. How many but, takes did you get, or did you just say, hey, we got to get this in one or two takes? I had. I'm not gonna lie. I had the teleprompter and I had cue cards when I needed them because, and that was most of the time because I had so many. And it, in order for it to be efficient. We had to, but the rest of the actors were, you know, they're memorized. And so we have different actors, and that's where Wheels is the neighbor. And the idea, like the Mr. Rogers concept, is that Wheels is obviously, if people don't know him, Wheels is in a wheelchair. And he's been on the podcast. He's too. been on the podcast. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he had me on his podcast, and we yeah. connected, and that's why I said, I've got to have him be a part of this. Yeah. And the point is, the, the quick story is that Mr. and Mrs. Dave, Mrs. Davis buys this crazy contraption from. Amazon to do it's a flower box Mr. Davis can't figure it out and I was like ask help ask for help he doesn't want to ask for help he doesn't want to ask for I'm like you know wheels is good at figuring these things out wheels comes over they wheels comes oh I got this we we just need this tool this tool and snacks and you know and then there's some jokes and I leave and they have fixed it and we never once said anything about the obvious right, right. wheels is in a wheelchair but it doesn't never mean anything. Up. Never comes it, up. It, you yeah. know, now, I, obviously, I just said that here yeah. for this purpose, but that's and we, just like in the entire four episodes, we never talk about me being in drag. The word drag, does the word drag ever appear in never, four episodes? That's awesome. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, that's Mrs. Kasha Davis. Yeah, yeah. And of course- that's somebody in drag. By like, the way, does Ed have a character too, no, or he doesn't. no? You, There's a potential. We we think yeah. in future rights, we like might I might be like somebody, but it, we we're not sure if that's creepy or like we're not sure yet. Yeah. So we'll play in terms out. of we'll yeah, we, we, but season it's, two. Yeah, it's yeah. a thought. <laughs> but so you know, and and people ask like, oh, is it going to go to a streaming? I hope so. Is it going to go to uh, television? I hope so. But yep. if it doesn't, we did it, and it's a Rochester-based thing. And it will exist, obviously, at some point on YouTube or something. Yeah. Um, but I know in my heart that it will... We had moments where I know... You know when you film something or when somebody else in the room gets emotional. You know? Overwhelmed. Not sad. But just like, that was really awesome. Like You know like, when you had a moment. Yeah. You had you moments. Did. You had a So we those. had moments that I know are going to resonate. And um, and the the team that we have is passionate about it. Everybody's got kids. The poor guy... The not poor guy... <laughs> the guy from Ben from Fish and Crown Creative, he's got a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and he's got COVID twins that were born like two weeks before filming, so or something like that. So he's like not sleeping, you know. But again, we all have, everybody's got children. Ours are the oldest at this point, but everybody's got children, and and want this kind of messaging for their kids. And last but not least, like as far as I know, this is the first legitimate really, we'll call it LGBTQ queer whatever gay 
relationship, Mr. and Mrs. Davis, who it's an actual relationship, sort of like an I Love Lucy, you know, where it's their four episodes of their life and their home and they're welcoming you into their home and there is a kiss goodbye on the way to work. Like just a normal husband and wife kiss goodbye. Like have a great day. You know, if that's going to air on TV someday or not, but we did it. I don't know of anybody else who has Hell the... Yeah, that's going to air. You know what I mean? The, yeah, I, I don't know who air. else has the balls to do that because it's real. It's obvious that that is Mr. and Mrs. Davis yeah. and she's going to say goodbye to him to go to work. So to me, that's like, that's what we want to show, not just kids, but children of all ages, the adults who are concerned and who look and say like, that's too different. You're pushing agenda. It's a, an agenda of kindness, of love, of family, of community, yeah. of diversity. Like, what is it that we're pushing? Ha, have has drag ever been directed at kids before, or is that a first? No, it's not a first. There's first of all, there's Drag Story Hour. Pretty much, okay. it started in San Francisco and New York City, and then it's sort of like trying. People are trying to do it, and I think that I could probably teach a course on what it is that. There's certain things that you would perform like for children, drag or not drag, and that you wouldn't perform for children. You know what I mean? You need to know what is acceptable and what's not. And I think some performers are like, yeah, we want to wear a leotard and yeah. like it's a, do this sexy song. <laughs> it might not be the best choice. Uh-huh. Um, that's just, you know, know your audience, first of all. It doesn't mean you have to like vanilla it up completely, but you could do some tongue-in-cheek things for the parents, but you got to really know your audience. I think, and, and, and again, it's children. So not everybody should perform for kids. <laughs> That's just it. But um, the other thing, uh, you know, there's Nina West, who is working with Disney right now and Nickelodeon. Nina West is somebody who does very well in Drag Race. And Drag Race itself, if you, you know what Comic-Con is, right? Mm-hmm. There's a drag con where um, thousands of people come to convention centers to see us. And so the majority, as uh, as it as it were, the majority of the people that are there are kids, young kids. That's beautiful. Children and preteen kids with their parents. And their parents are grateful that we're all there to show their kids that they have, they can explore and be whoever they want um, and who, however they see themselves. But th- <laughs> it's... It's these little kids. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, people are like, oh, DragCon is just going to be a bunch of old gay people. They're not there. <laughs> it's kids, you know? And it's I'm like, really cool. it is really cool. And I and wouldn't it, have imagined that, but that's really cool to yeah. hear that. And yeah. honestly, the other demographic that you'll see is it, be, it would be young women. And because, as we know in our society, women are told that what they can wear, how they can dress, how they can look, they can't. You know, they have to follow these guidelines in fashion magazines and, and their weight should be a certain way and this, that, and the other. And they can come there and just dress and play and be. You know, yeah. that is that is inspiring to me. Yeah. So next step for Imagination Station, now you're a sales guy. Now I'm basically. a sales guy. Yeah. yeah. Which is great because I've yeah. done that for 18 years, so it's no problem. Yeah. So <laughs> so do you get meetings? Do you get to go to – Do you, are you going to go into boardrooms and do pitches? Or do you just kind of send the demo out and follow up two weeks later and I, follow up two weeks later? I think it's going to be both. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have a couple of plans. I mean, I, I definitely want to go to World of Wonder, who produces Drag Race. Yeah. Um, keep it in the family. Give yeah. them the opportunity to say yes or no, but it, you know we're gonna go back and see. And uh, we didn't see HBO Max, but we had a meeting, and so we're gonna send people the you know these pitches. We have a couple other friends that are uh, 
connected with children's television through um, Blackfriars Theater, you know. I don't know. Like, I'm open to a lot of different things. Like, I love the idea of community in that what Mr. Rogers, so he, he did, he kept it in Pittsburgh, and he utilized Pitts, Pittsburgh people, and he kept it, like, at public television kind of level. You know, that is a that is a possibility. You know, but of course, if HBO Max said they wanted to do it and they were going to throw this much money at it, I'd still like to say, we've got some empty space at Kodak. How about we use it and we hire people from here? I mean, it's it's... it's I mean, anything can be filmed anywhere these days. Yeah, like, exactly. You, know I mean? you, like you that, don't have to go to Hollywood. Yeah, you would think that they would actually jump at that opportunity to just right. be like, "Wait, we don't have to fly these people out, put them in hotels. Like, right. they'll, they'll just do it in their own hometown. Exactly. Great. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. And they would, you know, they would have their influence on things. But, of course. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so you filmed, and uh, have you? How much editing is done at this point? I mean, like, do you have an episode together yet, or no. is it just kind no, of no, a bunch no. of raw literally footage? yesterday we stopped. Okay, so you just so have a bunch of raw footage. Yeah, and then yeah. like today they went in and they got some other. Uh, b-roll stuff but now it's the editing process and you know um what part of what part of this process is is sort of so your strength you're creative right so the the creation of the show the performance of the show that's you're strong the sale you're strong right what about things like editing or asking no for idea. money. I mean, is this the kind of stuff where you're like, hey, I kind of need help here? Or are you like, you know what, I'm taking this whole project. This is on my shoulder. <laughs> no, I think anybody, for what I learned as in terms of leadership back in my Dial America days is that you surround yourself with people who are better than you. You know, That's the secret. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Mary and, is, and Danny would did the majority of the writing from Blackfriars Theater. Um, I would have my input into how my voice would do certain things. Uh, we did original music from a, a guy. I did the lyrics and, and Andy Pratt did the music. But then he would challenge me on certain lyrics. And I, instead of getting overly defensive, like I would state my case, but then you have to say like, this person has does this for a living. Yeah. Let go. He, this person's an expert, and it and it was better than I could have imagined. Um, so Mary also she knows how to um, get donations for the theater, but I also have a following. But I and I also know how to to get that first pitch. She can close it. You know, so we we all found our strengths. Teamwork, yeah, and it's all teamwork. I mean, it, yeah. and I I have have done some stuff with uh, Fish and Concrete before, where they add animation. I mean, we have an we have animation being added. We have uh, they do some really cool graphics and things with you know. I the first idea, like I might say, like it would be really cool if this happened, but I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't even know if it's possible, but they're really good at like making those those things look better. So, and that's the same thing, like. Uh, Jack, who is our set designer, he owns a uh, store in Rochester that's really, really cool, a gift shop on University Avenue called A Horse with Wings. And he was the artistic uh, director previously at Blackfriars Theater, but he's also a set designer. So he designed all this magical, amazing stuff. Um, and yeah, we could say, well, we kind of want it to look like a 1960s kitchen, but I, I'm not going to tell him how to draw that and what colors to choose. So you have to know, like, I think it's important to know, like, Okay, this is what I'm good at, and I'm not above getting criticized and helped, but I'm also not going to be think that I'm going to be the expert at everything because you're never going to. I mean, you have to have that team, yeah. you know. So and now then, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, to me, it's like I'll be a part of the next step of editing, but I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> you just like show it to me when it's yeah, done, yeah. and I'll right. let you know what I think. 
Yeah. Uh, what cologne are you wearing, by the way? Because every once in a while I get a whiff and I love it. <laughs> oh. uh, Old Spice. No. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was. I, what, what was I? I was. I was a part of the Spice Girls. I was Old Spice, but they they canned me for <laughs> age discrimination. I'm suing them. Um, no, it's. I just made that up, and it wasn't great, but it was okay. Uh, I can't remember what it is. It's something black. Kind of cold black. Text yeah. me later. Yeah. Black Panther? What is that from Anchorman? Black Panther? No, Kenneth, Kenneth Cole, something black. Okay, all right. This is a little TGMX, so it's on sale. Right. Never buy anything full price. I have to go get a haircut. Go get I it. I honestly could keep talking to you, but I have to go get a haircut. I love listening to you talk. Congratulations. Where do you, where do you go? The, a place called The Men's Room. Uh, I know where that is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right up the road, actually. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, go to The Men's Room, 7 o'clock Wednesday appointment, first, uh, first week of the month. Perfect. Right? Yeah. That is what today is, right? Yeah. September 1st. Yeah. That's and right. just this so will air on Sunday, so this isn't going to make sense when it airs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and just yeah. everybody knows, <laughs> nice house. It's very nice. Well, I don't know about nice, nice house. house. Nice house, nice neighborhood. Beautiful family, nice neighborhood. Yeah. Great location. Yep. 12 Corners. I, I always talk about it. I live in 12 Corners. Oh, do you? It's great, great location. It's like central. It's like central Rochester. Right. This is great. I get to every highway, any part of town you want me in, bam, I'm there in 15, well, it's 20 not, minutes. It's not Webster where life is worth living. That's correct. Exactly. Yeah, that's correct. And but I, 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 like, I will say, they always say you can drive you know, anywhere is 15 minutes away in Rochester, except for, have you ever driven to Hilton? It is four hours it's away. Fr- <laughs> it's it's four hours away. Hilton yeah. is, every time I'm doing a Hilton to deliver yeah. sauce or something, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Am I still in the county? I don't know. All right. Well, Ed, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations on everything. Well, you know, um, work in progress and congrats, yeah. congrats to you. I mean, Rochester's lucky to have you. Like, it, it, just the fact that you would do everything you've done and that you, you haven't at one point said, well, I'm moving to LA, you know? I, I mean- I'm, I just, I'm so happy that you are in Rochester and that you're dedicated to staying. Like, you want Imagination Station to be a success, of course, and you want it to be a success in Rochester, yeah. if possible. That's awesome. Well, and there's a selfish reason for that, and we talked a lot about it. It's, you know, our girls are here. Yeah. We're hoping they're going to have families here, and I don't want to be away from that. Yeah, you know? no, yeah. So. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. I think we